Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Vicky McLeod. This time around, I'm talking to Danish athlete Andre Houday. He tells me about how his family inspires him, how he combines running a business with training, and what other major events are coming up in his life this year. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome, Andre Hude, to the Europe is Coming podcast. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Thanks very much for spending some time with me today. Where are you... Are you in Denmark at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm at home in Denmark. Um, it's like an hour away from Copenhagen. I live in the countryside, so all good here. And thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. I'm really thrilled that you could spend time time with me today because I've had my eye on you since last summer, and I'm really impressed with what you're doing. And and having the chance to talk to you, you have a very interesting history a very moving story and also uh, I think a lot of ambition and, a, and I, you're definitely one to watch this year as well appreciate it yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, let's firstly talk a little bit about where you're living and, and where you're from because I mean when people say Denmark we probably only really know a little bit about Copenhagen <laughs> where are you living you say you're in the countryside so what's it like where you are um, yes, yeah, so, so I was raised in Copenhagen, so pretty much the capital uh, of the country. I mean, Denmark is, is a super small country. You can drive from one end to the other in four hours. Um, but I live, so I moved one hour away from Copenhagen more into the countryside because my fiance and I, we had the kind of the vision to, to have our own gym at our own home and our office and basically like everything in one place. And that was only going to be possible if we moved a little bit further away from the city uh, because it's cheaper. And I mean, you can get more space and larger places. So, so we kind of found an amazing place out here and uh, it's south of Copenhagen. It's one hour south. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, we, we're super happy. It's like proper countryside. There's fields all over like around us and there's no neighbors and yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's really idyllic. So your gym is just for you to train in or do you train other people in person? Um, right now it's just me and my fiance who trains here. We have a few athletes that comes once in a while. Um, the plan is for the future to have more of that. And one day when I retire, the plan is that we, we kind of set up like a training camp here where people can live in cheap apartments out in the area and come here and train every day. And I'll be on-site coaching full-time. Um, so when that time comes, that's kind of the plan for the future. But for now, it's it's primarily just for <clears throat> for myself, for my fiancé, and for training partners. And we're, we're building out an office and an apartment in, in one of the buildings of the house. So we're, we're going to be able to host more athletes, uh, staying here with us plus we are going to have our colleagues coming and working at the office two three times a week um so that's going to be pretty cool so and they also follow the same training program as me so we'll be training together and so the gym will be a little bit more a little bit more used there's quite um as, as, as you said that is a small country but crossfit is a pretty popular sport now 
in the country, isn't it? I mean, are you guys, all all of the Danish CrossFitters, are you all in touch with each other? Do you have um, a bit of a network, a community? Yeah, CrossFit is pretty big in Denmark, I must say. Like, just in Copenhagen, which is the capital, but still relatively small compared to other European countries, I think there's like 30 gyms or so, like CrossFit gyms. So I think compared to the size of the country, CrossFit is a huge thing. There's there's competitions like probably every second weekend here. Um, so so it's a pretty big thing. And I think there's a pretty good network of the athletes. Um, and there's obviously a lot of like really good guys and, and good girls. And I've, yeah, I've, I've, I feel like we stay in touch. Uh, we're pretty good friends, some of us. Um, some of us just haven't really met. I mean, I haven't met all of them. I've met a few of them. And then the ones I've met, we're, we hit it off pretty good and we communicate. Um, but I also think, you know, um, we're all competitors at mm. the end of the day and we're all just striving to get the same thing. So, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, a bit complicated. It's a delicate balance, isn't it? To like, be, yeah. to remain like yeah. cordial, but at the same time competitive. Yeah. I've always been like, maybe too friendly in the past and I've had coaches to tell me like to step up and maybe find friends who are not also trying to get the same thing as yourself. Um, so I've, I mean, I, I don't try to keep people at a distance that are really good at CrossFit, but I, I am just aware of, um, I think I've become a bit more relaxed around it now. Mm. Um, I'm really good friends with Lucas Gufield, uh, Gufield, he's Danish. Um, I speak to Frederick Gideas, obviously he's retired now, I think. And, um, and the other guys I, yeah, I have a pretty good relationship with. But CrossFit isn't the thing that you started, is it? Well, back in the day before you even began to think about professional CrossFit, you were playing American football. Yeah. So I played American football for like eight years. And you, uh, from what I've read, you were quite serious about it. You were playing it at a national level. And then you went yep. to America and tra- trained there for a year, but you were only a kid. You were only 16. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just everything I do, I take it very serious. I think it just lies in my personality. And when I played American football, that was the only thing that mattered. And I wanted to go pro. And when I switched over to CrossFit, it was just the same. It was just all in or nothing, really. What was it like being separated from your family when you were 16 and you were away from home? That was okay. I missed him a lot, but it was me who wanted to do that trip. So I think it was harder for my mom, perhaps. Um, and I think, you know, it's just, you have so many new impressions and you're so busy with a new language, new culture, you're integrating in a new family and new friends and stuff like that. So that year just passed super quickly. And I don't know, I'm just getting, I think I've become very engaged and passionate about what I do. And then time just flies. So um, you're all in kind of guy. <laughs> I would like to think, yeah. So what, when did you make the decision to drop American football and focus on CrossFit? So that was, I think I was 21. Uh, and I just moved up from the U19 team or yeah, I was 20. I moved up from the U19 team to the senior team. And I could kind of sense that the, the vibe of the senior team wasn't really what I was looking for. Um, I, I, I always 
wanted to, to do big things in American football. And I knew that I couldn't do it that at a national level and it would need to go to other countries and things didn't really map out the way I had hoped, um, both perhaps because I just wasn't good enough. Uh, and second of all, because I, I maybe didn't have the opportunities to do so. Uh, and then we used American football in American football. We used CrossFit as an off season thing on when I moved up to the senior team. So I kind of got familiar with the sport. We had Frederick Gideas on the team who played the same position as myself. And he was, he's obviously like the best Danish CrossFitter of all time. And so, so I got really inspired by what he did. And I just think I found home in CrossFit because I was never the fastest American football player. I was never the strongest. That one's never the tallest or the shortest or the heaviest. And I just found that CrossFit was just the perfect sort of fit for me with my physique or my, my skill set. And, and then I also didn't need a team. And that was the first time really that I had done tried a sport where I didn't need to be relying on the other's ambition and drive and commitment um, to the game. And I just realized that this was a kind of felt like a second chance. Now it's just, you know, me versus me and how far can I get it go? And even though I was 20 and, you know, you don't really start any pro sports when you're, when you're that age, I just wanted to go all in. And, and so I did. What do you think it is about um, sport that is, so engaging for you, you know, your, your parents are successful business people. They run a Michelin star restaurant. Um, you, mm-hmm. ha- you had a very, from a very early age, you've been surrounded by people who are high achievers and uh, push themselves hard. So what is it specifically about sport that attracted you? I think I come from a family where instead of trying to f- figure, find a life where it's about having as much free time as possible. It's about loving what you do and loving your work and, and work is a huge part of your life. So instead of looking forward to the weekend, you know, you're looking forward to to get your hands dirty in the week and, and to work hard towards getting something. And for my family, work has always been just a huge part of their life. And the kids have always been involved with it and same with my grandparents. And, and, and so I think, um, it just came very natural to me that, you know, sport was kind of my work and I was also going to be really engaged with that. And I think like life is a little, for me, at least is it's a lot about getting better, um, becoming more, uh, striving to do something. And it doesn't need to be trying to win the CrossFit games or do something incredible. It can also be a very small thing. It can be, it's not a small thing, but starting a family and uh, whatever, taking care of your garden or it, it can be s- small things, but it, there needs to be some sort of a journey. Um, and I think just sports just delivers that. Mm-hmm. There's just, yeah, it's just a full experience. It's, you, know, you, you train, you get better, you, you fail, you go again, you succeed, you, you just learn so much about yourself and you you learn so many things that you can bring on to other aspects of your life and if at the same time you can inspire other people to to do something with their lives and again it doesn't need to be anything huge it's it's all very individual what huge is and what success is and what great things are as long as you're just doing something to to, to go somewhere 
I think that's that's really what it's about. And I think it's like overcoming adversity is it's not giving up, isn't it? Just keep moving forwards, even when it gets really tough and you might doubt that you can do it. Exactly. And also just realizing that <clears throat> adversity is almost the best thing that can happen. It's like we, we only get stronger from it. Do you see kids with easy childhoods and they also like, it's kind of like easy life, uh, hard. Well, what's the saying? There's something like, if you have it easy, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Mm. If you have it hard, you're going to have it easy. It's like practice hard, compete easy kind of, yeah. uh, like, but it's the same that goes for life. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean that you need to be erased in a ghetto to have it hard. It can just be, you can come from a wealthy family and if you've just been you know raised in a in a way where you have to do work and get a bit uncomfortable and not always you know get saved mm. but you know having to to deal with things yourself let's talk about your brother because he um was, died in an accident when he was a, he was a mm. photographer i understand yeah yeah he was i mean photography was his passion so he did that part-time but he was uh he was a student at a hotel school in Switzerland. But you guys were both into sport together. And, yeah, yeah, very much. And when he tragically died, and he was so, he was, he was, um, you, from what I've read, you made a promise that you were going to fulfill the dream of getting to the games. And you finally, yeah. you finally made it last year and finished yeah. in 15th place. How did it feel to actually have that dream achieved? I mean, it's, it, it's a huge fulfillment. Uh, and I'm so pleased that it happened because I would never stop until it did happen. Mm. Uh, and I think so. It was, it was, first of all, just huge fulfillment of having done it, um, standing by my word and, and, and getting, yeah, just grinding for six years and you know never missing a session and just always putting in my best effort and and seeing that come together was amazing and the second feeling was was also a relief uh, I also felt like it was kind of lifted off my shoulders because I put, put a lot of pressure on myself uh, for many years to to achieve it and I and that also just made me you know commit like make that my number one priority and I think it, I was, it was also nice once I had hit it to kind of, I didn't really take the foot off the pedal at all. It just felt like, I just felt more calm and more relaxed because um, I'd done it. Because I knew that I was like the worst thing that I was most afraid of is that something would happen every year and I wouldn't make it either because I wasn't good enough or I was injured or something like that. And, you know, I would just always look back at that and, and, and think out it was a failure that I never hit it. So, <clears throat> so like that, the goal had been very, very black and white. And I, I think I, I can be known to be very black and white and that's very good for a lot of things, but it's also, uh, it can also be a very, it can also be a bit complicated for some things. Sometimes you need to be a bit gray, but I decided for this goal that I was going to be black and white. And, and so it was also a lot of relief when I when I had hit it for sure. Don't fuck with Andre, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So how did your goals change now that you have done that for your brother and for yourself? Now that you're going into the next season and you're obviously do, you've done a great, you had a great result in the quarterfinals, you won an event in Europe and you're 11th in Europe and 32nd overall in the quarterfinals. Are you still doing it as well for your brother or is it just now you? I think partly I will always be doing it for him. Um, it's not as much for him anymore because that was about that goal and that was very tied into that. He is definitely in the back of my mind and I also have a picture of him and me in the gym and every time I need to do something special, I I look at that picture and that just gives me, that that just changes everything for me. Um, so so that definitely helps me <clears throat> on the tougher days and and when I need the extra drive. But I think I just, I have a lot of motivation. Like my sister's in a wheelchair and, and that's also one of the reasons why I got into sports and, you know, I needed to help her physically and to be able to carry her. And I also feel like that she didn't have the chance to use her body <clears throat> the way that I could. So I also want to maximize what I can do with my body physically, uh, because I know that not everyone has that chance. Um, and I also, I mean, I think this just this year, it's just very different. There's many, many motivations. I also want to inspire, uh, especially Danish athletes across the country, um, to wanting to, to be really good in CrossFit and to not be afraid to chase their dreams. And I hope that I can be the role model for the guys and girls that maybe didn't come into the sport and was like a freak talent and, and, and super, super good, but um, perhaps just I can give them the hope that, you know, if you just work really hard and, and you pay attention to the details, you, you can do really good things and you don't need to be anything special because I never was. And I, I don't think anybody really thought I was going to be anything uh, in, in CrossFit. Um, so, so I also hope that I can be a role model for, for people, for not just the next generation, just generally for people my age or older. Um, yeah, so I think there's just, and I, I am also just very curious to see how, where I can go with it. Um, I think my, my goals are less rigid, uh, or at least I try to let them be less rigid. I feel when you say 11 for quarterfinals, that's great. Like that's a, that's a bit of a failure to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it does, I don't beat myself up for it. Um, I think I'm, I'm good at good at having good at having like a positive narrative in my head. It's like I finished like 200th in one workout and that placed me 11th. And that's just, instead of being angry about it, I just, I just fix it. Uh, I, I make a plan to fix that mistake and, and I try not to be too outcome based in like terms of placements, but it would be a lie to say that I wouldn't want to be number one because uh, that is what I want. Let's talk about your Instagram post that you just made asking yourself if you can win semifinals because that mm. was a real like a throwing down the gauntlet to yourself really, isn't it? That's like a really challenging yourself to like, step it up, put it out there in public about your and mm. um, your intentions what mm. when you posted um your the, it, was, it was last week you wrote today i challenged myself mentally i challenged myself to find a question to which the answer will get the best out of me 
I wrote the question up on the wall and the question was this, can you win the semifinals? Is that question on the wall in your gym? That's, that question is on the wall. In, yeah. Like probably like taking up a one and a half meters on the wall. Wow. And um, what's the answer? The answer is yes. I think that the self-doubt in myself never said no, but it said, oh, I'm not sure if I could do that. But I think, so the, the point was that I wanted to, I needed to set something up that made me doubt myself a lot more uh, than I already do in order to get the best out in me. And I thought it was just a really good way to kind of put it. What question would get, would, would, what question like would I ask myself in order to get the best out in myself? And I, instead of writing up on the wall, I want to win the semifinals. It's more of a question and a question becomes a challenge. So every time it's hurting in the gym or I'm doubting myself or something like that, I look at that question and I need to answer the question. It's not just a statement. It's, it's not writing, you know, I'm going to win the CrossFit games. It's like, can you do it? And in that moment, if the answer is yes, you push extra hard. Mm. And the, if the answer is no in that moment, you have to ask yourself, why not me? Um, and I've come to realize that there's no reason why it shouldn't be me. Uh, and I think, and I also think that's just a good message to send out to everyone that wants to do something. It's like you, people we think are amazing. They are amazing, but they are, they have the same, you know, they also have two arms and two legs and, and just like you, you can also do it. It's just, it just takes work and it takes belief in yourself. Uh, and I feel like every time I can answer that question, yes, just enhances my performance and training. It enhances uh, the drive. And, and I know that's what I need. I train alone out in the countryside in the middle of nowhere every day by myself. And I spend a lot of time in my own thoughts. And that's also why this just came up in the middle of the session. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of this what question and then it just came up and i often have these type of like moments where i write something up on the wall uh, but this one really really stuck out to me as a yeah this is this is what i need because if i don't believe i can do it then i'm not going to do it um you're training on your own you say so how can you how can do you are you coaching yourself or do you have a coach I coach myself. So how do you get the feedback that you need in order to improve? You have to be super honest with yourself all the time. Yeah. You have to be your biggest self-critic. And I think I'm, I'm good at that. It's, it's a, it's a difficult balance, of course, like not always beating yourself up because not every day is going to be a great session. And, you know, sometimes you, you just underperform to because you're tired or because whatever it might be. And, and I think it's a, I think the challenge is to, is to be okay with not always doing great, uh, and knowing that it's okay. Um, but also knowing when to kind of beat yourself up a little bit and say, this is not good enough. We're not going to let this happen again. You're not going to be, but that's that question. Can you win the semifinals? That always fixes it. Like since I put it up there, every time I'm about to, it like weak on myself or, you know, I, I look at that question and, and, uh, I just feel like it, that just, you know, 
if I can answer yes, then I must do what it takes. So, yeah, so I, I feel like it, it's not easy. Like sometimes I wish I had a coach who was there who could, you know, be my role model, who could tell me, you know, now we go, now we work, now like now we step up or now we take a step back. Um, but but I haven't been able to find that person. So so I decided after, yeah, seven years of CrossFit or six years of CrossFit to to try to be that person myself. I think. I have a very uh, entrepreneurial kind of mindset in regards to a lot of things. If I can't have what I want, then I just have to make it myself. And so I try to make that person myself, just like I try to design that person who thinks he can win semifinals. Mm -hmm. Like it's just constructing it. It's like I try to write down on a piece of paper, what type of person can win the semifinals? What are the characteristics of this person? What, what does it require? Like, what do I think it requires? Because I don't really know. I can, of course, look at the people who have done it before me and, you know, the, the greats in the sport and, and try to kind of analyze their methods or, or training mythology or mindset or whatever and try to kind of backtrack it from there and then try to strive to do those things. Is there anybody that you particularly look up to in CrossFit? Do you have any male or female heroes? I think that the person I look up to would be like combination of some different people. I, I, I don't have one where I think they have everything the, that I would love to be. But I also think it's because I don't look at an athlete as just an athlete, but I look at them as a full round person. Um, so you could have a lot of success in sport, but if you didn't have a lot of success with your spouse or with your family, then I wouldn't look up to that person because mm -hmm. that is equally as important for me. Um, or if you didn't have a good life balance or maybe work or whatever it might be. Like in Europe, I definitely look a lot up to BKG. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's the greatest European crossfitter of all time. Um, I've trained with him. I was really fortunate to get to train with him on a few training camps when I just started CrossFit. And yeah, he also just trains in his basement by himself and basically no training partners for the majority of the time. And yeah, I just think I, I really look up to him in a, in a lot of ways. I just, for some reason, Jason Kalipa just popped into my head as somebody that you might... Yeah. You might have yeah. uh, you might have a lot of uh, similarities with because of his success in his sport and also how much he put uh, pri what a priority he put on his family, especially his daughter. I, I definitely yeah. like you're you're absolutely right. I had him on the podcast once uh, when I was when I hosted one, and uh, yeah, like he's like he's probably one of the ones who have the whole package, you know. He's killing it business-wise, uh, family-wise. He's still a beast. He's achieved great things. Uh, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that full package. Mm -hmm. um, uh, or that's at least what I dream of or strive for. You have your own business as well. You have um, No Shortcuts Coaching. So um, mm -hmm. how do you manage to take care of all of your clients as well as take care of yourself? Because... I'm assuming that you're having, you're doing both things at the, at the moment. Balance of your yeah. life must be difficult to maintain. 
Yeah, it's kind of okay. Like I, I love coaching. I think I, I loved coaching before I loved training. Um, and so I, I see myself definitely a lot as a coach and an athlete. And I actually, every day I have to remind myself that I am an athlete first, uh, before I'm a coach, because I've had the trouble or struggle with that in, in the past, because I, I really do love coaching and I'm really interested in it. And I also know that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life when I'm done competing. So every day I really have to remind myself, you know, like, you know, the next five years, you got to do this athletic thing as number one priority and you have to put coaching in second. And I think once you have that priority list, it's, it's easier to, to, to handle, but I, I really love coaching and programming and I've done it for a long time. I started my first company in 2015 with programming and I've done it ever since. So I, I think it's just, um, it's just a natural thing. I've also, I used to do full-time individualized clients um, but I, I've cut down on, on a lot on that. So I, I almost have none left. Um, instead I have a generic training program, which has freed up like 20 hours a week. Mm. Um, so I can really focus a lot more on training because I've also underestimated that, uh, what is it called? Um, like mental fatigue from just working yeah. a lot. Exhaustion. Uh, like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Cognitive fatigue. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes in sessions, I've just felt my head has just been drained and not clear. And I've just been, haven't been able to do the extra work in that session because I've just been cognitively too fatigued. Uh, and once I realized that I just made the change. Uh, it's so, um, it's so interesting how the, because when you, when I speak to athletes, even the recovery, they can't necessarily do a job where they're not even being physical, they actually do have to rest in between sessions so that they are absolutely at their best. And I was reading um, that you, you kind of really began to realise that this time last year, when you were getting getting close to getting to the um, qualifying for, it was you when you were qualifying to go to semi-final, online semi-finals, you realised then that actually there was more, there was a more delicate balance than you maybe previously realised. Which is why I was asking how things are changing this year, because in order to to really go through win semifinals and go to the games, presumably you're gonna to have to dial that in even harder. So I've I've been a lot back and forth on that. Some phases I've thought, you know, I need to cut work completely or you know, I really need to cut down on it. And then there's other phases where I'm like, the problem is I really love working also and so if the working gives me something positive it feeds me like energy wise it feeds me because i like doing it then it's a good thing for my training to also have something to kind of like switch off training wise and focus on that so i think i've found a really good balance now of it where i i spent like perhaps three to four hours programming a day at the minute or uh, managing the company and um and then I have the remaining of the day to train. And I feel like that's, that's a really good balance for me. I don't think I could just train. I think just, it wouldn't be enough for me. I like Jason Kaliba, you know, he, I don't think he could just do one thing. Mm. He, he likes it. Like it feeds him. It's, he's the kind of personality that, that just loves it. And, and I think it would make him perhaps a worse business owner or athlete if he was just 
hundred percent dialed in on one of them. And so I think now I found a really good balance of, you know, if I want to take two, three days off work to focus on training, I can, it's not an issue. Um, so you found you have found a, a, a way through. I mean, I think that some people talk to me about how when you retire, when you stop working, and I actually feel like I don't ever think I'm going to stop working. So the things that I do for a living, I love them. I love doing what I do for a living. So if it keeps me happy, then why would I stop doing it? So I agree. Exactly. What about um, your other thing that's happening this year that isn't CrossFit related? Yeah, my we're starting a family. Yay. We're we're very excited. Congrats. For that. Um, Congratulations. Thank, thank you. That's uh that's kind of been a big goal and dream for I mean like the past five years. It's not that we've been trying for five years, but it was it was kind of one of the, the things I'd put in my my plans for for things to happen. And this has definitely been the thing that has been hardest to control. Mm. Uh because you can't just always just decide oh now we're gonna have a baby and then just make it happen um so we are very excited for that when when is the baby due in mid-july you're gonna you're gonna be a dad by the time the crossfit games gets here then yeah it's uh that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the challenges for this year Mm. but i have a i have my priorities straight and i know what i want the most uh and I love CrossFit and it's going to be a big part of my life for a long time and hopefully for the rest of my, my life. And I want to try to be the best I can be, but it's never going to be anything bigger than starting a family. I got That's the, I got 100%. the expression, impression that you were going to say that because um, all of the things I've read about you, family is so, so, so important to you. And mm. I, and like your, your mum and dad um, must be so proud of you. And your sister, because you both achieved mm. so much. What um, what is uh, what would you tell sixteen-year-old Andre now that you've had ten years, well, a bit more than ten years, but a few years on him? What would if you was if you were talking to the younger version of yourself? What would you say? Oof, that's a good question. Um... I would say stop playing American football and change the CrossFit immediately. <laughs> uh, so I could, uh, so I get some more years in the bank from an earlier age. Um, no, I think, um, I think some be black and white and use that as a strength, but also know when to be gray. Uh, know when it's, when there's something in between, it's a thing I've had a hard time dealing when, when other, perhaps like with conflicts and with, when other people couldn't see it the way I saw it or didn't want it the same way I wanted it. That could really like frustrate me and make me very angry. And I also think that's why it was a good thing I changed from team sports uh, at that stage because I, I just struggled with the uh, with the fact that not everybody wanted to do the same and and. Um, and it was same in school. And I think just not, it wasn't hard with friends, but it's like, I wanted to do good in school. I want to sit on first row. And if the other guys thought that was funny, then I couldn't relate to them. They could just 
I mean, my head, it was just screw them. I don't need them. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes I, I wish I was just a bit more relaxed about certain things. And I, I have become that as I have become older. My sister's also a psychologist. Um, so we have a lot of like good conversations and we're, we're, she's very similar to me. And so she has worked and improved a lot on a lot of the same things that I needed to improve on. So, so she's kind of the person that I always, I always go to with conflicts or with uh, when, when I struggle with certain things on how to handle a perhaps business decision or training decision, or if I feel pressure for someone else or something like that, she knows exactly how to trigger me and how to, to, uh, to kind of teach, teach me how to handle the situation. And I feel like with those tools, if I had them when I was 16, then yeah, then life would have been easier. Did you, were you a bit troubled when you were a teenager? Not troubled. I just think I was just, uh, I was just too black and white. Mm. Um, and I think I wanted everything to be perfect. Uh, and that wasn't always easy, but. So your sister, Celine has a, could be, could find herself a job as a performance mindset coach. Yeah. I think like. I mean, she's definitely, I think, the person I would look up to the most if there was, if there were any, um, because like when she was a kid and she could, like my parents, they knew that she wasn't going to be able to use her body. So they, they just told her like, you need to be smarter than everyone else if you're going to make it. Uh, and you're going to have to be more clever and you're going to have to read more books. And, and so she did and it's paying off. Like, and she is just very clever and whatever she doesn't have in the body she has in the brain and so i think i look up to her a lot in that in those ways and uh, she, she also has no limits she has she dreams huge, big dreams and she wants to publish several books before she's 30 and she's been trying to publish a book for a couple of years now already and she's finishing a master's degree and she moved to paris to study and like these things when you have her disease like they're unheard of they're big things this is never those things have never happened before. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. And your mum and dad, just my final question, really, is like, they, they, you told me before we started recording that they're French. Mm. So why did they move to Denmark? What was, the, what was the background there? And how do you feel that that has influenced you? So my dad is, is 100% French. My mom is 100% Danish. So all the kids are half French, half Danish and have dual citizenships. Um, my parents met in Paris, just like me and my fiance, and they only speak French together. My mom has lived in France for five years. And, and so we, we're a very Francophile uh, kind of family. Um, all the kids have French names and um, we have all lived in France for a year. And yeah, so... I think the way it's influenced me is that my dad comes from just the French system, which is, you know, when you're 15, you stop, like, if if you're not going to be an academic, you just go in to do what you need to do. And he became a chef and, you know, that's 80 hour work weeks since you're 15 years old and there's no complaining and just delivering. And, and I think that has definitely been a huge, uh, huge thing seeing my dad being like that. Like I'm, I'm super fortunate to have, parents that are role models like it's not everyone who has parents that they look up to like genuinely and, and think they're they're amazing and i'm 
I'm very, very lucky for that um, because they're both very hard workers. And, and I think that's just an attribute in, in the family that we take very serious. Or I think we uphold that as one of the highest things. What kind of food does he make? Uh, French. I mean, my, yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, the restaurants they've had has been French gastronomy. Um, and, but he can make anything really. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we're not snobs when it comes to food at all. Um, but it's, it's obviously his passion and, and yeah, my, my, it's a very food family. Like my parents also both sommelier. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just a, it's a big thing. Uh, if I ever make it to Copenhagen, I shall beat a path. So is it is it is the house called is it the restaurant called Andre Pierre? Andre Pierre. It was called Pierre Andre, Pierre Andre. Uh, but it's it, it doesn't exist any longer. Oh. Um, so now they, my dad is a chef at a like a big castle, and my mom is a manager at a yeah, also sort of a castle kind of thing. Just a regular um, old castle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much for talking to me, Andre. Um, uh, which semi-final do you think you're going to? I have no clue. Which do you, which would you prefer? I don't really care. Don't I think mind. that's it's always a funny question, and when people ask me that, or whenever they ask what I think of workouts, or I think like one advice if you want to be a good CrossFitter is just don't tie any emotions to workouts or locations or weather or music or times or like you just have to train yourself to just that that doesn't matter that doesn't influence you if there's no music in the gym or if it's cold or if it's warm or yeah gonna go to a competition in england or holland it, it, it doesn't matter I, I i've no i don't i really don't care well good luck and I thank hope, you so much and i expect to see you winning the semi-finals that's the dream Thanks, Andre. It was great to talk to you and best of luck at semis. Hey, you know the drill by now. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a five-star review wherever you listen. Subscribe and share it with your friends. It all helps. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod. <laughs>